Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Ever seen the sky so blue? The birds are singing, I got nothing to do. Hey, 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 hey. Mm, it's a sunny day. Sunny day now. My pocket's empty, my cupboard's bare. But call me illogical, I just don't care. Hey, hey, hey. It's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Liz Hamilton joining us this morning as well. And we want to start out the hour and talk about dividing perennials because, yes, there is sunshine today and it'll soon be time to do that. And, uh, Ton, it's going to happen pretty quickly here. It is. We're moving from those winter, you know, the low 40s to the mid 50s in just a few days. And so a lot of perennials are going to start breaking dormancy soon. And so we do need to get on dividing as soon as that snow is melted off. All right, Liz. So how do we best do this? All right. So most it's it's worth noting that spring is the best time for the majority of perennials uh, that you're dividing. And also that some perennials shouldn't be divided. And so we'll talk a little bit about that too. But the, the main way that I do it, maybe Ton has a different way to do it. I think everybody has a preferred method, but I like to, I prefer to dig the, whatever it is that I'm dividing. So let's say hosta. I like to dig the entire plant up into a ball and find a good division point. So what that means is I'm looking for maybe a natural break in the root ball where I'm not going to cut directly through an, an eye, which is a sprouting area or something like that. And then I'll viciously use my uh, shovel to start in that area and then just chop it in half. And the reason I like to pull the whole plant out of the ground when I do that is so I can kind of visually see where the good place is that I think would fit. And then also it lets me rearrange what's left. If I'm going to keep it in that plant in that spot, it lets me rearrange it when I put it back into the ground. So it goes in, in a, in a way that I think meshes really well back with the bed. Um, and then if I'm going to move it, then I've then I've already got everything out of the ground and I'm ready to go. And then there's a place for something new there. And so that's how I do it. I've seen people where they put two uh, t- uh, tine forks, like uh, plant forks down in there, and then they'll use the forks to split the whole plant apart and then pry the forks aside in Monty Don style from <laughs> England. And that's... Um, that's another good way to do it. I've also seen people just pick up the whole root ball and smash it on the ground and pull pieces Let it fall out. apart. Mm. Yeah, and it's it, it's also um, not 
a recommended method for certain plants that are really delicate, but some things can totally handle that. So uh, there's 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 no super set way to do it. So certain plants that I wouldn't divide, moving on to that section, would be um, plants that have a clear rosette. So something like lupine, where it's all one growth point and the plant's not splitting itself out into smaller plants. Um, that would be not something you could divide or something that has a woody base like lavender or sage. You can't stick a shovel in there and hack at that woody base. You'll you'll wreck the center of the plant and it will never recover from something like that. And then there are some plants that you, since we're talking about this time of year, that ideally are moved in the fall and not moved in the spring. So almost 90% you could move in the spring, but plants with fleshy, large fleshy roots do better with a fall transplant. So when they're headed into or already just barely going dormant in the fall, and then because they don't always pop out of dormancy in the spring um, if you move them in the spring. And so, I, Maria, I know you're getting ready to move some peonies. Too many. <laughs> so peonies really do not like a spring transplant. And so just keeping them really well watered. And they have those great big huge roots. So trying to get all of the root ball that you possibly can on that and not leaving any little feelers out and moving your giant piece of Yeah, Ton said just make sure you do it before it breaks dormancy. Right, Ton? Yeah, and it's one of those, going back to that rule, if it blooms in the spring, divide it in the fall. If it blooms fall, divide it in the spring. And so the those peonies are always just a little more touchy anyway. But, you know, you can do it. It's just that you have to be very careful. You know, it's sure one of my like, favorite plants, yeah, right, Tom? You get three or four, <laughs> at least three or four of those eyes or those nodes oh. into the new clump. And you just have as much of the root ball as you can. I will do my best. That's all I can say. And if not, I will be buying a new plant, right? At least there's yeah. lots of varieties out there. That's right. <laughs> it's always fun to try something new if you don't succeed. The patio is just, it's, I need to move the plant. So, okay. Uh, anything else about uh, transplanting? I mean, watering them in. So once you get them into their new location, even if the ground is wet, you want to water them in so that they're, not having any air bubbles or weird pockets around their roots and their roots have really good contact with their new location um, when you're settling them into a new spot. And then whatever you've divided up, um, if you if you left it, then make sure you fill, backfill that really good. And then I always like to fertilize at the same time. I was going to say, even root starter, a, fertilizer, what are we talking about? Yeah, here? I just lightly, I just do a lightly basic um, perennial fertilizer. I don't use root starter um just because I never have it on hand, but mm-hmm. that's true. Well, and, and it's basically worthless stuff with a little fertilizer. Yeah, I <laughs> stick with the fertilizer. Okay, yeah. now we know how you feel about root root starter. I really like the granular fertilizers because then they're they're pelleted and you have a slow release, so you're not right. just dousing your plant with a really high dose of something, and it can break down over time. Something like Osmocote or something like yeah, that. Yeah, uh-huh, or Osmocote or Fluorocote. Any of those are. Are really good, or a tree and shrub fertilizer if you have something um, with woody stems. I just that then you just you're covered for a really long period of time, and the plants are happy. So before we go to break, could you quickly cover dividing perennial grasses? Well, so perennial grasses, most of them you can also do in the spring. A couple few 
don't like a spring move and prefer the fall as well. But um, for the most part, spring move is right. And the only ones that you would look at in the fall are ones that are uh, cold sensitive. So like pompous grass and, and not Ravinia, like the actual Cortadillaria pompous grass that is uh, marginally hardy in our area. Pompous is the uh, common name for two different grasses that are not related to each other, just for viewers and our listeners, I guess. And uh, <laughs> um, so those what you would want to divide in the fall um, and not in the spring, but in the spring, they, um, there's not a, a normal break that you would see like on something like a hosta or um, an echinacea, for example. And so I don't know how you do it, but I just put my shovel into the center of it and, and dig as well as I can and try to get as much root. And yeah, it's kind it of an out. ugly, an ugly process as you hack at it, yeah. especially if you've got a, something really deep rooted, like a, like a miscanthus grass, they are so deep and they're so hard to get out. Um, but yeah, it just, it's not, it's generally not pretty. I've also even used on really large clumps, um, a reciprocating saw. Yes. Just, just going to say that, dig out the clump and use a, like a sawzall with a long pruning blade on it that you're yeah. willing to sacrifice and just saw that thing up into three or four or five chunks and make sure you get roots on every chunk and replant every one of them. Yep, that's what I've done. And I have the if if people are unaware, there is a there is a pruning specific blade for reciprocating saws. I think Diablo makes them. And you can pick those up at any of your big box stores. Um and they're super long and they're made for like wet wood or wet jobs like that, so they don't um tear it up too bad, but that's a really um useful tool to have. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back with your questions. Jim, you are up next on the line. Number to call, 801-575-8255. Text us, 57500. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for spending this beautiful Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria, Ton, and Liz with you this morning taking your questions. Next listener has texted their question, and they would like to know... When is a good time to treat an autumn blaze maple ton for iron chlorosis? That would be early spring, as soon as the snow melts off. The reason for that is that when the roots absorb iron through the soil, about 90% of it is up taken up in before the tree leaves out. So as soon as that snow melts off, I would get at least a pound, depending on the size of it. And it'll tell you how much to apply according to the trunk width. 
And instead of drilling holes in the lawn, uh, Mike Coons, our emeritus uh, urban forester, recommended just mixing it up in five-gallon buckets and drenching under the canopy of the tree and then just getting a hose, if your irrigation's not on yet, just take it off of your house and watering that area for 15 or 20 minutes just to flush that iron into the soil. All right, let's go to back to our phone lines. Jim is on the line in Sandy. Good morning, Jim. What is your question? I'm interested in a dinner plate hibiscus, something besides uh, red or white or, or pink. And I see online, I've even ordered seeds from this USA uh, Garden Center two times of various various seeds. Not one of them, only one of them was hibiscus, but none of their seeds that I have uh, purchased have have ever germinated. So I'm wondering, is there anybody here in Utah that specializes in the dinner plate hibiscus, particularly the I'm going to say the odd colors. Well, I don't know of anybody. Um, You could look at Perennial Favorites website. They distribute perennials to a lot of local garden centers. You can't just walk in there and purchase, but they will list a number of kinds of hibiscus. Then you could call them and see approximately when and where they're going to be distributed to but I, you know, territorial seed or something. Uh, Liz, do you have any suggestions? So a couple of the breeders just came out with like some lavender colors. Um, I think some lavender dinner plate hibiscus. And let me see if I can look that up. Lavender. You may have to veer toward ordering live plants because a lot of the newer while Liz is looking this up, a lot of the newer dinner plate hibiscus are hybrids between sometimes three and four different species of hibiscus to get some of these newer leaf colors, like the dark, dark red ones or the more compact. And so it may be that the seed isn't available because they have to be propagated from root uh, divisions. Yeah, and the one I kind of just popped up, I think there's two others out there called it's called Fantasia, but honestly it's it the purple label is a little uh loose on that. It looks very pink to me in pictures, but that's the closest. If if they're if they're if someone is marketing to you like bright yellows or oranges for hardy hibiscus, there's a good chance it's um false marketing and you're it's my, it might be a scam, particularly, sorry. Are there seed companies that y'all know of that you would recommend we try to stay away from because they really are not honest in, in their dealings? Well, and well, rather than staying away from stuff, I think, I think so there's some general rules like don't buy, and this isn't a hard and fast rule either, but um, I would say don't buy your seed off Amazon. They're not, that's not a place to buy live plants. And then don't buy – and if you look up a seed dealer and they have an online Amazon store, it's a pretty good indication that it may be a scam. There are some reliable ones out there, but um, do, your, do your research on that. I think rather than trying to stay away from certain seed companies, trying to find really good reputable 
seed companies like um, Johnny Selected Seed or um, Harris Seeds and, and those types of places that have really good um, reviews and have been seed stores for a couple hundred years, things like that. And well, if you're looking for oddball stuff, Wayside Gardens might be someplace you could look. Mm-hmm. And then also just noting that if the color seems too good to be true, it may not be real. You, you may have seen seed advertisements for rainbow strawberries or neon purple tomatoes and things like that. And and if you peruse a website and, and you're looking at something that seems unusual that no one else is offering, keep looking at that website. And when you start to make connections for things that don't look real, that that, that would be an indicator that it's not um, that it's a scam site. Thank you for having the greatest radio show well, in existence. Thank you. I will say, Liz, I've had some adventures on Amazon ordering things, and it always is a crapshoot. I try to look for places that have a lot of good reviews. For example, I have ordered peanut seeds off of Amazon for two or three years running, and two of the three years, the peanut seed came straight from China in sealed foil and then inside they were even sealed again everything in the packaging was in chinese and i had to use my google translate (laughs) to even see what it said they did pop up as peanuts and i wanted a short season runner and they didn't they weren't that at least they were peanuts but sometimes if you are a little adventurous you're not going to get what you expect sometimes but if they have a lot of good reviews you know, I'm talking in the hundreds to thousands, then you might be okay. But Amazon is like the wild west. It's dicey for sure. I've I've actually ordered some weird stuff off Amazon too, knowing better and just like wondering if it would yeah, <laughs> turn I, out. And it ha- I have, I've gotten, I've gotten real actual seed that's sprouted, but I know, I know if, if I'm paying more than a couple bucks for it, it's, it's, there's a, there's a real good chance it's not going to work. Yeah. Out. They have some great succulent starts though, but you have to look at the company. It's not about Amazon. It's looking at the company that's providing the plants. Yeah. Research the company, and then you should be okay. There's also I, I, go ahead. like people on um, eBay. That's another real sketchy one. But I've had really good luck on Etsy. People open their own plant shops on Etsy. I've ordered some really uh, unusual orchids on Etsy and had them come and good beautifully luck. packed. I mean, just beautiful All right. whole plants. And so Etsy, Etsy, I've had some really good luck on. Although eBay and Amazon are always uh, real, <laughs> real could be a real mess. Do your research. Yeah. We need to take a break for the bottom of the hour news. Number to call 801 575 Text us 57500. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.